0: I do believe that every woman has an immense amount of knowledge that she needs to
1: package in some way, shape or form, and put out into the world. This is Glass Ceiling Chronicles, a podcast that explores the stories of women that have packaged their knowledge and how the world responds to it. Every woman should have a form of a business. Now this is not your mother's
0: independent money, that's not what I'm talking about. It's about buying power in this day and age, and buying power is so important. I want you to be able to have the option, and that's what it's really about. Money equals options.
1: My name is Ayolua Kuka. My name is Kelly chimero My name is Michelle LeClaire. My name
2: is Ori Ochoga. My full name is Heba I'm Candace Allery. My name is Oyinda Balalaka. I am Lauren Murray. My name is Shayna Robinson. My name is Karen Anchedo. My name is Chinelo. My name is Meredith Davis.
1: One of the first things you get when you are born is a name. This is how people identify you, how they make reference to you in the world. The same is true for business. But what is the story behind the name?
3: And My business is Squarely Social. I really was attracted to this idea of trying to play off the word social with something else that ideally started with S. And I, I wanted this idea around a circle, like to be inclusive and welcoming and a community and connectedness felt like it had all kind of been done. I was talking to my daughter, I think she was like 18 at the time. And so my daughter said, so, well, what about social square? Like, you know, people come to a square, like a, a market. And I was like, well, oh, that's interesting. And so I just flipped it and then it became squarely social. My business
0: is Noir Professionals and I took the Instagram stories and I was like, what is a good name? And I gave criteria to what I was looking for and I was asking people from name ideas and different people gave different suggestions. I basically took two words from pe- what people suggested and I was like, oh, this seems this like a good word play.
2: My brand is called Choga. Choga means tradition in a sense that from back home, how we dress, um, very elaborate. So I just thought it'd be fitting to name it. Choga. So when did you should, like back home? Oh, Nigeria. Well. <laughs> I'm from Nigeria.
4: <laughs> I'm the owner of Murray Virtual Assistant. I am the youngest of four daughters. Um, I realized when I was young that no one was really going to be able to carry on our family name. My cousins are all females. I got married back in 2018. And so I was the last daughter to get rid of her maiden name. And I felt like another way to be able to carry that into the future, to carry that legacy of what our ancestors have done before us and what they've built is to be able to honour that by carrying our name. Our legal name is CK. So if you follow us on Instagram, it's at CKSoakBathCode. A lot of people are like, what's with the CK? So my first name is Candice, starts with a C. And my brother's name is Ken, starts with a K. So I just put those two together because he was really that starting inspiration point of turning this whole soap making thing into a business. So I don't want to broadcast that to him because then he'll take all this credit, but <laughs> that's, that's where that <laughs> part of the name comes from.
2: <laughs> oh, my name is Vicki Mello and I am the owner of Sugar Mama Cookie Co. The name actually came from my husband. When I was starting to actually make money from the business, he made a joke that, hey, maybe one day you'll be my sugar mama and I can quit my job and you can take care of us. And when he said that, I was like, oh my gosh, sugar mama, that's perfect. Because at the time, my business was solely sugar cookies and I'm a mama. And this all started as a stay-at-home mama. It's so perfect. Like the brand just fits exactly who I am and what I'm doing. And so we registered the name sugar mama.
5: My business name is Lily C. Beauty. My mom's name is Lillian, my dad calls her Lily, and my dad's name is Thaddeus, but everybody calls him Dead Sea, so I combined Lily and Sea to form Lily Sea Beauty. <laughs> my parents are like one of, if not the most influential people in my life, so I just thought it good to uh, coin their names together to form a business name. And I think it's, it's, it's kind of cute. Choosing
1: a name for your business is one thing. Stepping into all that being an entrepreneur or a CEO entails is another. And through these interviews, one of the more common words that have shown up again and again is fear. If you're calling yourself
0: a CEO, let's really think about what that means. Nowadays it's become a very just, I'm the CEO of, yes, because your name's on some paper as the CEO. But what does it mean to embody that CEO?
4: Immense fear and freedom.
2: The fear never goes away. It feels scary.
5: I'll say just doubt and fear of failure. I don't know why I do that.
1: We see this fear throughout people's entrepreneurship journeys, which makes sense because there's a fear that shows up outside of your comfort zone. Whether it's the fear of the unknown, the fear of failure, the fear of public opinion, the fear of what's next. And some people run towards entrepreneurship, the fear of it and everything it entails. Others walk cautiously towards entrepreneurship. And then there are those who are unwillingly flung into entrepreneurship and realize down the line, hey, you know what?
3: This is not so bad after all. My name is Kelly Thibodeau and my business is Squarely Social. I help business owners make sense of their online marketing through an audit and strategy process. Look at what are their goals, who's their audience, and then what channels best serve them. The company that I was working for, uh, I knew they were going through a big downsizing. In fact, I developed a social media strategy to help them respond to people as they reached out. I think it was like 25% of the workforce was was laid off. So uh, little did I know my job was on the chopping block. I was at both mid forties when I got let go, which is challenging, right? When you're kind of like mid career, you've really hit your stride. You feel like, you know, where you're going. And then all of that changes. It, it took a little bit of sort of digesting. I had been with that company for 12 and a half years and I never looked outside. I thought, you know, I'll take two weeks off and I'll get right back to it. I had a whole bunch of interviews. I didn't land a single job a lot of people reached out and said, you know, what can I do? How can I support you? And you'd be really great if you did something on your own. And I was like, hmm, i would never really thought about starting a business or having anything to do on my own. My first client was like a friend of my dad's. And I just thought, I don't even know what to call myself. And it was this like almost out of body experience to be like driving my car to go to this person's house and sit with him and give him some advice. I was like, this is really different. And then when we were finished, he said, uh, so how can I pay you? And I was like, Hmm, that's a good question.
5: <laughs> I never really thought about that. I was actually taking uh, criminal justice courses at U of W and, uh, Every time I was like, what the hell am I doing here? You know, every time I would be in a course, I'm like, man, that's not me. This is not me. I don't want to do this. An immigrant girl, like you're expected to be a doctor and be an engineer. And then I have this criminal code book right in front of me. And my teacher, I think he was a judge or something. I think there came a moment where he's like, yeah, you're going to have to memorize, not just to me, but like, like memorize the codes and everything. And I'm looking at the book and I'm like, are you serious? Like, I can't do this. I was going to have my exam the next day for this criminal justice course. And I never showed up. I was like, that's it. I'm going to open up a business. I don't know how. So I basically left my course overnight, never showed up. And uh, the next day I was just preparing on how to open up my business. My full name is Heba Malik. I am 28 years old. I own a full running aesthetic salon. So before it was called 7K Beauty Bar, but then Rosalie and I merged our businesses together. So my business is called 7K. Hers is called Extended Beauty. So now we're called 7K Extended Hair and Aesthetics. I remember when Rosalie and I were reading the contract, it was like I don't even know how many pages and some wording. Reading big contracts was definitely going over my head. I'm like, ooh, like this is very official.
1: Sometimes you identify a need, a genuine space in the market that needs to be filled. And even then, the fear still
2: shows up. My name is Michelle LeClaire and I own Wolseley Kombucha and we provide local kombucha for our community. I started brewing kombucha just because I had a lot of digestive issues. At a very young age, I was very sick and I was on a lot of antibiotics. I wasn't able to digest pretty much anything. And I went to see a Chinese medicine doctor and she's like, it's all your gut. We need to build your gut microbiome back up. So from then I started looking into fermented foods like sauerkraut, kimchi, fermented vegetables, water kefir, milk kefir. And yeah, I just, I loved kombucha. I love the taste. <laughs>
1: I heard of kombucha a couple of years
2: ago. So for people who might be like me, <laughs> what is kombucha? Um, kombucha is a fermented tea. So it's made by fermenting uh, tea with sugar with a kombucha culture. The culture is called a scoby. So it's a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. So similar to yogurt has a, has a culture. Kombucha has its own living culture. So it's good for gut health. So I started buying so much that I thought, I'm going to try to make it. But at that point, there was nobody really making it locally. So my friend's mom made kombucha. So I ended up getting a scoby from his mom. And then I ended up dating him. And then now I've married him and we have a baby together. (laughs) She taught me to brew kombucha back in 2000. I guess it would have been 2015 is when I started brewing. And then the business formed about a year later. Mm -hmm. And it just started in my kitchen. And from there, we moved to a shared kitchen in the Exchange. And then we moved to Wall Street, where we are right now. I remember my dad saying to to my husband, he's like, so this kombucha thing, it's not just like a hobby, is it? And Rob's like, no, it's a business. I won uh, finalist awards for 20, which year is this? 2019, 2020, and 2021. So I was a finalist for the three years. And then I did win the... Um, emerging woman entrepreneur this year through WBOM. So I think that was probably where I was like, okay, I guess I really am an entrepreneur now. (laughs) Because I never went to business school. You know, you kind of just learn it as you go. But I think what makes a person an entrepreneur is just the passion that they have. You have to be very resilient because nothing works out the way it's supposed to on the first try. You have to just keep trying. So when I won the award, I was like, okay, I guess I really am an entrepreneur now. (laughs) You won that award this year. When was the awards? Uh, it would have been in November, so last year. So it took you six years to you barely call yourself an entrepreneur. Yeah.
4: In my early 20s, I had developed a really dry skin condition called eczema. and it's very painful. I was prescribed all of these medicated ointments from the doctors and stuff like that, and it would just make the condition worse. So I started just researching alternatives, natural alternatives to what could maybe help the dry skin condition. And I started just like tinkering around in the kitchen um, and making things out of like natural oils and butters, So things I would find in the pantry. And I came up with a few formulas that worked for me. And I just kept those recipes to myself and made my own uh, soap and body care type stuff that I would use at home. I'm Candace Allery, founder and CEO of Soak Bath Co., One day I was at my mom and dad's house and I was teaching my brother how to make soap uh, in the way that we currently now make it. And we just kind of like got lost in the soap making process. We made a ton. Like there was just so many soap bars in the house. I'm like, yeah, there's no way that we can get through all of this. So we had this overstock basically, and what ended up happening is at the time I was still in my corporate position and one of my employees had a spouse that was running a local craft market and I was like, Hey, can I get a table kind of thing? So we got into that market and had our first market and it went really well. I was like, wow, people really like buying soap. Like what's going on here? In my first six months, what I didn't understand was kind of the roadblocks that I would run into just from a people aspect. What I mean by that is like, I would call suppliers for quotes and just other businesses for things. And they'd never heard of me, obviously, because I wasn't really a business for a very long couple months. And the way that they would respond would be like, you're not a serious business. I'm not even going to bother quoting you on this. Meanwhile, I have this grand vision in my head. I'm like, how come they don't understand this? Don't they get that I'm going to build this big business? And, And they don't, right? What I learned is that, you know, entrepreneurship is not a typical way that people look at life. Like, how do I say this better? It's not like a natural course that people take. So it's a small percentage of us that can really cast a vision and build something from nothing. So believing that you can create this end result when you're at the beginning is like, as an entrepreneur, as a visionary, for me, it was like, well, this is obvious. I'm going to do this, but to translate that to other people that haven't seen it done is like, they don't understand. So some of the things that they say back when you're trying to get that traction, stuff like that are just more seeds of doubt when you're ready are like questioning everything that you do, but you still know that you're going to do it, but not quite sure how. you know, so it just like feeds into that doubt. But moving from corporate to this was one of the hardest decisions in my entire life, because in my corporate job, I was making six figures, my car was paid for, my cell phone was paid for. like there was no reason for me to leave because I had achieved what our society would call like, This is the dream life. You have the nice big house, like you have the, you know, corporate job that pays well, that kind of thing. The comfort of that was very hard to leave. And that has been a muscle that has served me so well in growing the business because it was like that was simply the first fear to confront and run through. And then it was like challenge after challenge after scary thing after scary thing.
1: So, what do you do with the fear? How do you? Get past it and make the leap.
4: The difference in running a business is you're putting your time, you're putting your dollars into getting to the next step. I remember placing a supplies order for $1,000 for the first time. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is so scary. I wanted to throw up. Now it's like every order is $10,000. So you just like start to flex the muscle and build the muscle to go through these fearful, challenging steps you start to just build a tolerance for the fear I'm not not scared of things but I just keep running through them because I'll figure it out even if I make the wrong choice which I have you figure out a way after you realize that you made the wrong choice to you know like what's the next best step to correct this or or move forward but I remember when I made the decision of like I'm giving my resignation on x date the feeling of freedom in that moment was unbelievable like immense fear and freedom all at the same time. (laughs) But yeah, it was a gradual snowball of a year of just deliberating, deliberating, like, should I do this, should I do this? And there just came a point where it was like, I can't get to the end of my life knowing that I never took the risk to do what I knew that I wanted to do since I was a kid, which was building my own business kind of thing. Um, We all need to give ourselves a lot more credit than we do. And if you're building a business, You know your business more than anyone else. So many times we look outside for answers on what to do next. You're the one building this business and your reason for building it is entirely different than the next person. So if you're constantly looking outward and comparing yourself, it's like that person is building it for their life and what they want. You may not want what that person is building.
3: In the end, like we just did an e-transfer. I don't know why I didn't even think about that, but it just struck me as the funniest thing. I'm like, "Hmm, I guess I better figure out how people are going to pay me. (laughs) I think there's a lot of like buzz around glorifying what entrepreneurship is. But that means that you might have to actually work longer and harder, not just hustle culture kind of stuff, but because it takes that time and that kind of determination. I thought when I started my business, I would figure out what the one thing is, and then that's what I would do. But what I'm learning is that it can be a combination of different things that as long as you feel like are fulfilled and moving you forward and meeting goals, your career can look like whatever you want it to.
5: Honestly, when I look back, it seems like a miracle because sometimes you want to do things, but you don't have the resources. I had some tools and kits to start my business, but no furniture, nothing. I had $500 in my bank account. I was stuck, I was young, I couldn't get a loan because I messed up my credit card history, early high school. It's not like I got like $10,000, $20,000 from anywhere. I personally didn't have it. My mom, she was back home, I think. And she just had a couple grand in her bank account. And she was like, you know, if you need it, you can have it. And that just made me believe that if you have a clean heart, good intentions, things do happen for you, but you have to just keep trying, you know, and the doors do open for you. When the business opportunity came up, I was like, this is more me. You know, I felt it in my heart that I may not be a bookworm, but I can help people make money. I love my clients. They like spending time with me. I can manage a business. I'm a leader.
0: We are powerful, powerful beings. And I think that in this day and age of social media. There's so many things that are telling us that we're not good enough. So many people telling us that we're not pretty enough, we're not strong enough, we're not educated enough. We're All the things we're not. I would just hope that we can reach out to each other and lift each other up a little bit more, encourage one another in that next step of what we're doing and embrace life as a whole. That doesn't mean kill yourself just the best of what you can give that day because we don't know when our last day is and you want to be proud of that lived legacy that you have
1: you have been listening to glass Ceiling Chronicles I'm grateful to all who lended their voices to this episode special thanks to Kelly Thibodeau of Squarely Social Iba Malik of 7K Extended Candice Aureli of Soak Bath Co. And Michelle Declaire of Wolseley Kombucha. Special shout-out to Jason Uwunze for producing sound. Until next time, stay safe.